you know, I just really want to emphasize the fact that the mental health of mothers not only profoundly affects themselves, but their children and their family members as well. Um, and if we're able to optimize the mental health of moms, we may be able to uh, improve the mental health of their children and family members as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Science Communication, looking deeper into health in Canada. My name is Shreya Singh, a student at McMaster University. Today, we will have the opportunity to talk about a pressing, yet not widely known topic, perinatal mental health of Indigenous women. Through interviews with our knowledgeable guest speakers, we aim to help adults in Canada learn about current health issues, and more importantly, generate discussions. Before we begin, I want to take this time to recognize that McMaster University is currently on the traditional territory shared between the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and the Anishinaabe Nations, which was acknowledged in the dish with one spoon wampum belt. That wampum uses the symbolism of a dish to represent the territory and one spoon to represent that the people are to share the resources of the land and only take what they need. A recent review study described how up to 20% of women experience problems with their mental health during the period right after birth, with harmful effects for the mother, her family, and the healthcare system. This period is known as the perinatal period. I had the opportunity to talk with the first author of the study, Severa O.S., an MD-PhD student who investigated this issue. We first asked Severa to explain what perinatal mental health even is. Perinatal mental health, so these are mental health challenges such as depression or anxiety that present during pregnancy and up to one year postpartum or the perinatal period. Um, and some of the things that may exacerbate these mental health challenges, right, we have to understand that um, the mother or the mother-to-be is going through uh, a lot of changes, whether those are hormonal changes, uh, the change in the sleep cycle, um, and of course, psychosocial factors as well, right? So whether she's had a prior history of psychiatric illness, um, if there's any uh, family history of mental illness, these can all increase the risk for perinatal mental health problems. In Severa's study, she found that Indigenous women had a 62% increased chance of having a mental health issue during this period of their life. And this is what she had to say about her study. Yeah, for sure. So the the paper that you were mentioning, so that was a systematic review and meta-analysis. Um, and maybe I can just take a, a quick step back just to explain what that is. So a systematic review, um, essentially you're going into databases, if you're familiar with PubMed or things like um, Embase or Medline, you're going into these electronic databases and you're telling the system, okay, um, bring me up every article that is related to my research question. And in this case, it was looking at the prevalence of mental health problems uh, among Indigenous women around the world. So um, that's what the searches pulled up. And I went through, and of course, some articles are not going to be relevant to your research question, so you just exclude those. Um, and I came up with a total of 21 articles that I wanted to include in my review. And then the second part of that, which is the meta-analysis, so as you can imagine, a lot of um, different articles are going to have varying results, right? Some might say, oh, um, women, uh, about 10% of women present with these problems. Other studies might say, no, it's 20%, 30%, whatever it is. So meta-analysis is essentially an average of, of all of those studies. So in the systematic review and meta-analysis, as I mentioned, I um, looked at 21 studies and I found across those 21 studies, Indigenous women around the world are at a 62% increased risk of experiencing mental health problems around the perinatal period. And this is particularly true for depression, anxiety, and substance use. 
So why is it that more women are experiencing mental health issues during the perinatal period? Dr. Ashley Johnson, a psychiatrist here in Hamilton who identifies as Mohawk, was able to shed some light. She answered our questions about the reasons behind what kind of mental health issues women, especially indigenous women, face during this period and why. Yeah. So, you know, again, my perinatal like health experience isn't uh, as vast, but certainly just in, in general and in kind of training, I'm aware that a lot of women, in fact, many, sometimes up to 75% of women experience like baby blues after they have a baby. Um, and it's, you know, the, the stress of going through childbirth and the hormone changes, and then, you know, these new responsibilities. And even if they're carrying anything inside regarding their self-concept in the past can affect whether or not they might be at risk of depression, but certainly postpartum depression as well, like about 10 to 15% of women in general uh, end up experiencing postpartum de depression, and there are different risk factors for that. And then I guess in terms of, of um, regarding like Indigenous health, there, you know, depression and people who have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, who are having babies as well, and kind of how that affects them. Um, the majority of my practice in terms of Indigenous mental health would be, I see a lot of people with uh, postpartum depression, um, not postpartum depression, sorry, post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as mood disorders, um, attachment issues, which affect um, how they cope and, um, and are stemming from childhood trauma as well, and affect even how they relate with others. So those are kind of the majority. Another question we must answer is why are Indigenous women disproportionately affected? There are many factors that can affect this risk, including a past history of mental illness, poor social support, poverty, abuse, and other traumas. One group in Canada experiences a higher rate of these risk factors, Indigenous women. Looking into Canadian history reveals the brutalities that Indigenous people have faced and have continued to face in Canada, from forced assimilation in residential schools to the missing Indigenous women even today, these issues have had an impact on Indigenous health, including their mental health. Dr. Johnson was able to talk more about the impact of this trauma through the generations of Indigenous people. You know, when we're looking at Indigenous mental health, a lot of the work that I'm doing is, you know, I'm seeing how important it is to understand the intergenerational effects of trauma and how those things are passed down and, and, and the remnants of residential schools that are still present in our communities, even in the way that we are parenting, in the way that we are loving ourselves or not loving ourselves. So these, these self-concepts, I go back to self-concept a lot and, and even internalized oppression. Like if, if the system or these systems were in place to make you feel ashamed of who you are, you know, what, what impact does that have I, even on how, you know, how you feel as a human being and how you parent as well, how available you are to be a parent. And then on top of that, you know, if you were abused and you didn't have any proper modeling of what it was to be a parent, right? So that, that is very crucial and affects this time period, especially, you know, for women, but for all Indigenous people when they're, you know, being parents or new parents or just parents in general, but especially like if you're a female and you're going through that and there's a lot more, um, issues around social determinants of health too, where there's disparities across the board for Indigenous peoples. 
Um, and so they're, you know, their women are more likely to maybe be single mothers as well, or mothers that are struggling so, uh, with uh, socioeconomic status, those types of things, which just add on to these struggles, right, and, and put the mothers at more risk as well. Dr. Johnson touched on how past generations can influence mental health of their ancestors. This term is known as intergenerational trauma. So what can we do? How do we break the cycle? The Canadian government has long shown it's fast to talk but slow to act regarding Indigenous issues. Both Severa and Dr. Johnson were able to give us some more insight into what must be done to combat mental health issues in this population. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much that goes into this question too, right? And so many different opinions as well. And so much that, you know, is being taken up and, um, and there isn't a one size fits all, but certainly more programming for youth, I think would be very important having more like activities for them, like, you know, even even stadiums and things where, you know, you can play sports and you can do things or even, you know, dance classes or different things to encourage art because art, art and creativity, I think, are very healing. And there's something that I try and get people, my patients to even tap into as, a, as an outlet for emotion. Right. And if you've got a lot of emotion in you, then thinking about programs and structures and systems where they can provide some outlets for that, you know, and then land-based cultural teachings, I think are very important. And we're going to see more and more of them, especially right now with a lot of the schools, you know, a lot of reserve schools are still closed and there's different, uh, and then some reserves are doing more land-based teaching right now so that they're outside, you know, during the pandemic. So I think all of those things are really good. Again, are, are, you know, what are the social determinants of health of a certain community and do they have their basic human rights and their basic human needs as well, you know, first and foremost. And, um, and just thinking about, you know, just there's so many different programs that you could do, but I think especially focusing on activities for the youth and so that they can build their confidence and feel strong and give way for healthier and, uh, generations going forward are really important. In terms of supports available, um, yes, there are organizations, and I think it's important to point out um, Indigenous-led organizations for mental health. So in Hamilton, Ontario, there's the Dédois de Desnes Aboriginal Health Centre. Um, there's also the Thunderbird Partnership Foundation. That's uh, support for mental health for First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. Um, so certainly there are uh, organizations available. And I think increasingly hospitals are um, adding um cultural competency courses, or there's also programs known as the Aboriginal Navigator Program, um, which helps Indigenous patients um, navigate hospital systems and appointments. Um, but it's just a means of making sure that people have access to this care and they're aware of it. And of course, providing culturally safe and competent care. We asked Savera if there were any parting words she had for our listeners, and this is what she shared. Yeah, so I think... Um, you know, I just really want to emphasize the fact that the mental health of mothers not only profoundly affects themselves, but their children and their family members as well. Um, and if we're able to optimize the mental health of moms, we may be able to uh, improve the mental health of their children and family members as well. So um, that's that's one point I'd really have to highlight. And like I said, I find that fascinating. Um, so if we're able to support, um, you know, these individuals in our community, we can hopefully build healthier communities and generations. 
We want to thank our amazing guest speakers, Savera and Dr. Johnson, for sharing with us their incredible knowledge and expertise. We also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on our journey to learn more about health in Canada and the issues that matter to you. If you would like to learn more, please listen to the full interviews with Savera and Dr. Johnson, where we further discuss Savera's research and Dr. Johnson's own experience as an Indigenous woman. You can find both interviews on our channel, Science Communication, Looking Deeper into Health in Canada.